Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning, everybody, and season's greetings from the lovely little burg known as St. Petersburg, Florida. I know, on the move, constantly, moving and shaking. Uh, Did the whole cross-Florida trip with my younger brother, Adam. That was pretty fun. Uh, Luckily, Florida is such a thin state uh, that you can get across it pretty quickly and uh, efficiently as well. Those roads you can go pretty fast on, which is pretty nice. It's pretty amazing how empty uh, Florida is when you get to the middle section. It's pretty much just land and uh, I don't know, kind of cool. There were actually a couple of hills. I don't know how big they were and I don't know if they're man-made, but there were a few hills. So very, very cool stuff. Um, Today's podcast, I had the pleasure when I was up in the St. Pete or uh, Fort Pierce area, boy, I move around so much I can't even remember, uh, to sit down with Tiffany. And Tiffany is one of the West Sail family. She purchased a boat about two years ago and uh, proceeded to have kind of her own adventures on it. And I got to visit the boat in complete deconstruction mode. Um, Since owning it, there's been a few issues here and there. Tiffany, unlike a lot of people, decided not to give up on this boat. She loves this West Sail, and rightfully so. Sometimes boats do that. One of the stories that she had mentioned uh, sort of rung true with my own experience, where sometimes you pick the boat, but sometimes the boat picks you. You get this feeling that, oh my gosh, that's my boat. Holy smokes. And it's it's undeniable. And I know I had that when I first saw Sparrow after seeing many others. And so it can be kind of a remarkable experience. But in Tiffany's case, uh, there's been a, a lot of discoveries. She's she's weathered uh, a few crazy incidences, and it's uh, pretty interesting listening to sort of the evolution of her experience with, with this boat and uh, taking on massive, massive projects at this point. And she's doing it all while the boat is in the water, which hats off. You're living in a construction site. I've done it plenty of times myself in the boatyard. But at least in the boatyard, uh, I don't know. It just has a different feel. It's like a workplace. You sort of expect it. When you're in a marina, you kind of just want to be in the marina mode. Uh, but that's not so easy to do when you've got deck rot and you've got issues, uh, you know, a long list of things that need to be done. It's, it's pretty incredible what this, uh, this sailor has taken upon herself to um, not cave, not quit, and just keep on going. And I wish her absolutely the best of luck. Uh, we sat down down below on the boat. Unfortunately, there wasn't um, the West Sails have different layouts down below. And on this one, just wasn't quite set up to be able to use the fancy, nice microphones. So we just had to use the regular uh, podcast recorder. So the audio quality is going to be uh, not 100% perfect, but I implore you to listen to this uh 
this woman's story, it's really, it's, it's pretty cool. Her enthusiasm for everything and the stories that she has experienced so far in her West Sail adventure are pretty crazy. I'm not going to lie. I was like, wow, wow. That's, that's pretty nuts. Some of the stuff that's, uh, the worst nightmare come true kind of things. And, you know, like I said, hats off to her. And I think, I think, um, it's one of those things where, the boat's almost trying to teach her everything and anything before she sets sail because she has big aspirations, big hopes, big dreams with the boat, and it's pretty exciting. It definitely reminded me of of when I first had Sparrow and I was trying to figure things out and I was finding problems, uh, but she's uh, about tenfold above above my situation when it comes to getting the boat ready and things that need to be done. So hats off and uh, hopefully you all can enjoy the experience and enjoy uh, Tiffany's stories. It's it's pretty, pretty cool. So before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to help support the podcast, consider joining the Patreon family. We've got a link in the description. As always, we've got the merch. Finally, they let me, for a limited time only, put out the zip-up hoodies in pretty much all of the styles those are my favorite i love zip ups and uh, they're only letting me do it to the end of the year for some reason i don't know i think i'm gonna have to rethink who i'm utilizing for these shirts and hoodies and all that sort of stuff but the link is in the description if anybody was searching for one of those and last but not least if you want to contact the show sailing into oblivion.com podcast button and click on contact the show those go directly to me, and I love reading them. So thank you for the ideas, the shout-outs, all that sort of stuff. And uh, other than that, hopefully you enjoy the show. Uh, Tiff, welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> West Sailors. It's always a special moment when you get to sit down with other West Sailors. So. On a West Sail. Yeah. I know. On a West Sail. And I, it is kind of funny. I mean... So yesterday you came up and you got to see the beautiful West Sail that I was on before, and uh, I mean that that thing is like I that I think that's got to be one of the top three in the world. I felt like it was museum quality. Like if there yeah. was a West Sail in a museum, it would be that. Boat. It would be like, that boat. And perfection. Yeah. Did that give you at least a little bit of inspiration, or was it just like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get here? Both. Like I came back, I came home, and I was like. I've been living in so much clutter and being a person that has a need for a place for everything and everything in its place, living on a boat has been the hard, that's one of the hardest parts of like not knowing where everything's place is yet. I mean, like some of these lockers are even empty because I can't figure out what goes there. Right, right. And well, you don't really know until, because right now, like boats are in, I always Sparrow's always either in marina mode mm-hmm. or it's in offshore sailing yeah. mode. And they're two vastly different states. And I'm being. in rebuilding mode at this yeah, point. So really I have tools are. just everywhere. And I'm like, crap, grab the epoxy, crap, grab the, you know, the filler, whatever. And they're all just like, so when I came home yesterday after being on their boat, it was like, I got to clean up. Like I can just put yeah, my stuff like yeah, back yeah. in my storage. Like I can, I know where it is. I can always grab it, but. Yeah, just that was very inspirational to just be like, have her be at her best, whatever that is Mm -hmm. right now. Like, she's not at her forever best, but have her be at her best right now as you continue to make her into her best. Yeah, yeah. So, 
um, the consolation there was, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of bright work. <laughs> <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I just cannot imagine. Huge, and it looks so good. And I'm like, she's trying to keep that in that level. I was like, well, yeah. And I, you know, I've, so I have a wood cap rail on Sparrow that I have revarnished, like stripped it down bare. Uh, I think three or four times I, I try and do it for any like prep for any long distance voyage. If I'm planning on being out at sea for nine months, I want at least a fresh coat on right, there, yeah. uh, or like five coats. But yeah, it's just when I was uh, now I'm letting it finally go gray because I just I I've done it so many times. There's no fun in it at all, and it's just I know that if I want to do it right, I got to take all the stanchions off, and that makes it easier, and and you can do a better job and stuff. But I I don't know. I was just back on the boat this last fall, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the sections that still have some varnish on them and the sections that are going gray and the new piece that I put in that when I left was all fresh and now it's all gray and I'm looking at it and I'm like, God, I want to varnish that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, a yin and yang, like a little uh, yeah. push and pull. I love the look of it. Yeah. I, I had a hard time removing mine because I love that traditional West Sail look. I mm-hmm. love the look of the boat and her lines and how classic yacht like it just looks like a little yacht yeah yeah just tiny i know right? um and so seeing that on there i'm like it's just beautiful and i see why it was made that way and why people want to keep it that way but yeah, yeah. as far as what i want to do like i want her to be going another 50 years and so yeah. to me having her sealed up at least where she can't just continue rotting from within mm-hmm. was more important than what she looks like. So I'm now a non-traditionalist West Sailor where... Yeah, but, you know, that that's totally fine. And uh, there's a lot of people. I have a buddy of mine uh, who has one down in South Carolina, and that's his first his first call of duty is to mm-hmm. rip all the cap rail off and glass it and then keep it that way. And there was, there was a beautiful one, I think, out on the West Coast, painted it gray. He showed me pictures He, he after the paint job, mm-hmm. and it looks great. There's a lot of us on the Facebook group, um, the West Sail mm-hmm. Facebook group, that we call ourselves the non-cap railers. Like, we're, like we have a whole <laughs> club, a whole we group got naked of us. Boats. Like, Hi, I'm Tiffany, and I don't have a cap rail. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a, you know, and then you have the traditionalists who are like, but why are you going to put, and then some of you have even done it, glassed it, and then put the wood back and then on. And put a new, yeah. Or yeah. have tried to find a composite or something that looks the part, and those aren't working out very well. So no, I couldn't imagine. Right. I just, I don't want to deal. I would rather not be dealing with bright work and be sailing. So, yeah. to me, it's... You can always put it on later. That's, so it's no big deal. Have you seen my eventually list? Because uh, that's how it so, started. I, I'm really, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the, there's, there's a great, like... Uh, homeliness to this in in a good way. Like it, it feels like you've made it a, a bit of a home, which is nice. It's my only home. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> and it, I, Sparrow's the same way. I mean, Sparrow is it's decorated all the stuff. You know that somebody lives on that thing all the time, and um, it just I don't know. It, it kind of brings me back to the early days when I first took Sparrow down to like the Caribbean yeah. just to learn how to solo sail, sort of learn the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had to do a ton of work on the boat down there. There were holes, there were leaks, there were issues. I would sail, do like a three-day sail down to a different island and find all these new leaks and problems and break stuff. And then I would spend a week or two there and fix it. So I was in that same mode, not 
as involved as you are right now for sure because i didn't i just didn't have the deck route and everything but still it's uh yeah. you have these huge project lists i i remember in my logbook i had like two pages worth of mm -hmm. things that needed to be done and changed and switched out but yeah originally i thought i mean i even have like paint patched walls because the gaskets were leaking in the portholes so i like replaced the gaskets and then i like cut out the plywood my dad helped me here yeah patch in new plywood and i was like oh yeah i'll just i just need to paint those i mean that was literally like one of the first months i was right, right i wasn't right. even living so i bought the boat um end of november early december of 21 and then i didn't fully move aboard until um, march 1st like end of february of so 22. it's your two-year anniversary Owning the boat, yeah. Wow. Um, but she was down here, and I was up in Fort Pierce, so I would only be able to drive down at night and yeah. like, work on her. Um, so she didn't get a ton of attention the first few months that I had her. But it was, again, like just she looked the part. So I was like, oh, I just need to replace the curtains and paint the walls, and she'll be mine. And right, then that's right. all. Those still live up there. Like, and these are all there. the things you found. Well, and, I mean, hats off to you, because a lot of people would, you know, just kind of... They'd see some of it and be like, yeah, well, I'll just paint over that and we'll just go and, and just keep going. But your ambitions are a little greater than the normal everyday sailor. Yeah, I I, I feel like I, you mentioned it, like I'm kind of in marina mode. I feel like I have gotten more comfortable with leaving stuff around. But when I was, I mean, I did sail her mm -hmm. before I broke her. So she was, my whole goal was like, be ready to sail in 20 minutes. So whatever it was, everything had to be... Yeah, I yeah. could put stuff away within 20 minutes to go sailing. And you were racing her. I was racing her, That's yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got her up to 7.4 was my highest. Oh, like, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, on the race go. QS. Um, but, um, yeah, I race her, broke her after a race, so that was probably the problem. And then the previous owner was like, well, you know, these aren't race boats. And I'm like, I get that. Well, my, one of them won the trans pack on correct time. So. And my whole point Every was more sailor just... wears that as a badge. My whole point was just more of like, I have a set course with a set time that I have to like make this mark or I have to do this. So to me, it was good to learn how to sail her. Yeah. Like I... And no better there way may than be, racing. Yeah, there may be a time when I have to get there, and I have to get there fast. And so that's all I was doing. I never thought I would be in contention. I mean, I did. I was, like, doing well with her, but not anywhere near the top. Right, but right. I wasn't last. I never there got last. So. Nice, <laughs> nice. But that's, yeah, that was when the catastrophic failure happened. Yeah, I, I know we talked about it yesterday, but would you mind sort of telling that again? No, that's... That's what started this whole... Because that is crazy. That is, like, the one of the biggest fears for me and one of the reasons that I threw a huge amount of not only money but time and energy into making sure that that boomkin is solid. And, I mean, so for, for Sparrow, we essentially... We upped the gauge of the wires. Mm. Um, I have a spare set on board, you know, all new, unused. The tangs that are going to the hull were extended and added a next uh, a third carriage bolt widened oh, okay. I didn't widened that. past what they normally do what like Bud Taplin sells they're wider than that even and then on the actual boomkin because I have the wood ones uh, I had the full stainless bracket in the back uh, which has two that's what tanks Mongo goes on right yeah yeah okay. yeah and that's one of the nice parts is Mongo like was made to fit on one it was perfect. Um, but I had stainless steel, like a, an L, 
an L-beam on the inside go up and get welded to the stainless steel plate. So that even if, um, you know, one of the whisker stays popped or both of them popped, now I've got stainless at least holding it in place to give me more time before it rips the, you know, the three carriage bolts that go through the deck uh, out and pulls that mass forward. So there's, there's a huge amount of... I just wanted it to be as bulletproof as possible because, yeah. you know, Southern Ocean, you're, you're essentially going to be running for mm -hmm. months on end. And I knew that, that that's where the majority of my attention was going to be coming from. It is a point that I'm still trying to debate as I start to put it back together or think about starting to put it back together is how that boomkin will not do what it did again. And because I have in boom sheeting, Plus, I have a monitor that I bought, mm -hmm. and I don't know how I'm even going to configure that onto whatever my boom can ends up being. Um, all of that, it's, a, I mean, to me, that was the scariest part of that failure was this piece that I thought I trusted mm -hmm. because it was metal, I guess. Everything else right, would right. failing was normal to me at this point on the boat. So that's essentially the stainless steel pipes come in. Correct. So they have those bracket points on the side of the hull up under the cap rail uh -huh. that basically it's like a sleeve. Like it just slides onto those little right, tubes. Right. Um, and then the tanks coming down like yours yep. down to those chain plates. Um, and that was the point of failure. And I'm sure it was salt water you know being that close having her healed over for many years i mean yeah, who knows yeah, yeah. when it was oh um, i've seen the original ones and they're yeah they're ridiculously undersized and so that it wasn't even truly like a hull failure at any point it was just that top meaty part of the mm -hmm. circle where that clevis pin goes in that just ripped out completely so i guess retracing back to what actually happened. So I was coming home yeah, from a race. Yeah, do tell. Oh my yeah. God, coming this is home such a crazy story. <laughs> I don't even think it's that crazy. It is. Um, mind you, I'm like three months into ownership at this yeah, point. Like, I know. Barely have sailed, you know, and I'm uh, lucky to have many people that come help me crew or, or I crew for them. So I have a great community of sailors that were constantly on boats. So it's very yeah. helpful. Um, but I had two crew on board. We had finished the race, obviously did not win, but did not get last. Um, nice. And coming home, the winds were picking up, and it was a heavier wind day. Um, but we had sails out. We're just sailing home up the river, and out of nowhere, we there. I don't know what else to call it. I don't know the true terminology, but it was like a microburst. Like mm -hmm. it just this force of wind just knocked us down completely, and all of starboard cap rail was in the water. Yeah. Um, my one crew was standing on the gunnel. Gunnel bulwark, what is it? I don't know. Uh, it's, it'd be the bulwark. The bulwark is the part from the deck and to the cap rail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's standing on that, and his legs are underwater. I'm standing with my other crew member next to me. She and I are both now standing on the well of the cockpit. Yeah, so we're yeah. all standing upright. And it, oh, I, I think I said yesterday. Like, Did you full like a full main and a staysail up or something? We only we had jib and main. Jib and main. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, full and, sail. And, and the winds went from what ten my, to like well my staysail 50. tore so it was torn when I bought it so I I didn't I never raced with the staysail so I've oh, never okay, truly okay. even like sailed her with the staysail yeah, yeah so that's on the list but um so yeah just jib and main and literally just sailing home having a chat and then all of a sudden we're all standing and it literally was probably five to ten seconds of what was going on but in my mind it, everything just slowed down and I can yeah. remember thinking like 
seeing his legs in the water, seeing the end of my sail under like the green water. You could see the white under the green water. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, that's bad. <laughs> you should not be standing this <laughs> We're way. We're getting pushed under. That's bad. Like to have it be that far over. And again, I'm like, it's a West sail. Like, well, I didn't expect that to happen. But then she righted like as she's supposed to. She did really well. And that's when I thought, I'm going to lose the mast right now. She's like, it's not going to come back up as she writes, but yeah. she did. And it came up. And then that's when you heard this loud sound. We all, none of us can actually like make the sound for you, but yeah. we all confirmed this sound was like one of the scary sounds we've ever heard. And yeah. that was the boomkin detaching from the back of the boat. And yeah. so those tangs had snapped it literally the backstay and you know, the sheet pulled the boomkin literally up over the cap rail uh -huh. and then crashed it. So it landed half onto the boat, half off the side of the hull, but on top of the tiller. And so we are literally approaching probably 20 to 30 yards from marker six a. <laughs> and now I like go to grab the tiller to, I'm not even like focused on like what's going on yet. I'm just like, get away from that marker. And I have no tiller. And then I see the boomkin is now sitting on top of it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, mangled and jangled. So there's no, easy way to get that so i just frozen luckily i mean i'm i'm really proud of my instinct there and my crew even complimented me because i just was like get the engine on get the engine on that's your only hope to get away from this marker right now like, mm -hmm. so i tell them to run up and drop the sail um i think we had furled the jib i don't know but drop the main and i turn on the engine i didn't push the pin in so i'm like slamming into reverse it doesn't go i'm like shit sorry um, <laughs> that was fine. Flap it back into neutral, puts push the pin in, and then just start hauling ass into reverse. And like, yeah. I mean, we're just like spinning this like slow donut backwards as she starts to gain speed, you know. But we get away from the marker. Right. Helps them get the main dropped because now I can get her kind of, at least she's spinning into the wind at one point, so the main drops better. Yeah. Um, and then we're like, okay, now what do we do? Um. So he came back and helped me get the boomkin back. Like we literally just hung it off the back of the boat. But that's when I realized I have steering now, but I don't have a backstay. And yeah. these winds are like, I don't have any sail up at this point, but anything at this point, I have no idea how bad this damage is, like what the problem was. So I remembered the previous owner had dismasted and he, I remembered him saying, if I had known what the running backstays were, I would never have lost the mast. And that just immediately popped in my head. And I was like, all right, we got to get the running back stays on right mm -hmm. now. So this was all probably two minutes. Yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. But in my head, it was, you know, an hour long ordeal. But we got the running back stays on, hooked the halyard to a rear cleat and just reinforced what we could. Got her home, got her on the dock. I was really proud. Everybody kept their cool. Everybody listened. I felt like I... I don't want to use the word ordered, but like captained very well, which I was really proud of because I hadn't... You don't know until you're in that situation how you're going to react to it. But I kept my cool until I got her home, got lines on, and then I stepped onto the finger dock and, like, ran to the bathroom. I was like, <laughs> so. Well, it's crisis management. And, and unfortunately, you could take every course, you could read every book about it, but it's not until you find yourself in the position yeah. where it's actually essential that a lot of times that's when you find kind of what you're made of and your ability in that realm. I mean, you know, I, I talk a lot about that 
not in the presentation that you saw, but the one about me getting uh, hit by the rogue wave this yeah. last fall. Because mm -hmm. it was it's one of those things where you always wonder, well, what will happen if, if something like that happens? Or what happens if you dismast, you know, 500 miles out? Yeah. And in the, you know, just in the first few minutes. Because I think there is, there's a, there's at least a fear amongst everybody that you, you know, something really bad happens and you just panic and shut down. Right. Um, I, I don't think some think, people do. Like, I think, I, you know, I think in some respects, yeah, you're always going to have some people that would do that. But I have a, I have a belief that the vast majority of us will rise to the occasion. As long as we don't have any escape route to avoid dealing with said mode, yeah. Yeah, crisis. If we have to meet it, which we always have to out at sea, like we, I think it's like an inherent thing. Like, I don't know, it's a lizard brain or whatever, <laughs> but you know, it's like, okay, it's time to fight. Let's do this. And, and you make the calls, but there's one thing to just do that and not shut down. There's another thing to do it well so that, you know, you make the right critical decisions and all that sort of stuff. And it sounds like you're at your wheelhouse. I did really well. I didn't yell. I was proud of that because I've been on yelling boats and oh, I know. They're the I worst. mean, unless it's heavy winds, is you can't hear. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. There's a difference between yelling for volume and yelling just out of panic or yeah, being right. rude or whatever it is. But I mean, um, I'm very insecure about <laughs> my own abilities, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna yell. Yep. Oh, good. Yeah. So that was. That's a hell of an experience to have. It was, it was unfortunate because it was so early on into my ownership that I yeah. was like, oh, I had her and then I broke her. Now what do I do? And that's what then opened this whole can of worms of me realizing she really hasn't been taken that well, well taken care of. She's mm. been neglected and she really did look the part and was beautiful. And I mean, I have pictures of her sailing and she just looks so lovely and in her element. And then... You know, as I started digging into what I needed to fix because of that failure, that's when I started noticing all of the other yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah. But that boomkin, coming back to that, was I still am, I guess I harbor a, a small sense of fear there, like that that could happen again and be worse the next time. So how do I reinforce it, like you said with Sparrow? How do I make that an element that I no longer have to worry about? Um, not that I would ever like truly not worry about it, but how do yeah, I make it yeah. as good as I can so that I can trust it? And that's the big thing that I want to do is I want to be able to trust her again. And anywhere I see wood or metal in this boat now, I don't trust it. So yeah, I'm yeah. Like, well, you and, have to go away and be replaced. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and rightfully so. I mean, even on, even on uh, Montana, you know, the, the forward tangs, for the whisker stays are the original teeny weeny mm -hmm. that get cut off right there and the carried the second carriage bolts right there and those need to be replaced and the wires are only that's like, on my teeny yeah. weeny yeah i mean you can go up to a little bit bigger on those why not i mean that bowsprit's really long so i've had it where i got I was down below asleep and i had the large drifter full mainsails in the doldrums barely blown at all and then all of a sudden all i feel is the boat lurch over and then there's a pop and then the shredding sound of that sail we just got hit by a line squall and i was asleep i'd been out 200 something days so i was a little overconfident you know yeah, you could yeah. say um but it must flex that bowsprit really hard but it can only go so far because it's got those big heavy duty wires up there and those are the little things like for, um, you know, you talk about trying to get the boomkin 
if you get the brand new stainless boomkin, that's great. You get new tangs to bed into the hall. My tangs are right next to you. I made Ooh, them up. Yeah. brand new. Oh wow. Yeah, I made those. I beefed them up and then wow. went thicker metal as well. I didn't do the extra carriage bolt though. I'm kind of That's all right. Upset I that I think I that didn't. was that was pretty far overkill on my part. And then I made the bigger like meatier section of Oh my god. Yeah. That's, so that's a new chain plate, like full. So that's, that's a new a chain plate, yeah. and that's that's thicker steel. Yeah, I went. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this literally could be used for working out. <laughs> this is this this could go on a Westdale forty two. This is amazing. And that's three sixteen. So holy yeah. smokes, that's beautiful. I made it myself. Thanks. You made it with, yourself with help. Yeah. How the heck do you do that? Um, grinding wheel and. I've used the old ones as a template. Right, right. So they, and that one, that's the one of the, that's the actual shroud. So, yeah. um, I had that professionally bent, but I had gotten the, the blueprints, you know, to have the angle and I gave it to the guy and then he dipped them and polished them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we got, wow. a, um, we got a, why can't I think of it? Drill press. So. To be able to, yeah, pop them down. And that oh, was a big debate too. Was really hard to. Do I want to do the square holes and be able to do carriage bolts mm. and replace them by myself? Or I, again, Chevy versus Ford opinion where it's square holes, you can replace it all yourself. It's the original way to do it, but they have the spider cracking that can allow for the corrosion to come in. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I abhor carriage bolts. I, I hate them. I, I just figured anytime I'm going to be working on the chain plates, hopefully I have pulled into a marina and there's somebody that can hold a wrench somewhere to help me yeah, redo my chain plates. So that's one big thing about my wall coverings. As you can see, I'm basically bare fiberglass uh -huh. um, is I don't want that to be inaccessible. I feel like a lot of times people will neglect them or not service them as they're supposed to be. Yeah, because they're hard they're hard, to, they don't yeah. want to dig out all the furniture or the cabinetry they built. This used to have a giant shelf cavity thing here that I was I had to rip all that out to get to it and I'm like oh, wow. but none of that's going back so I'm literally thinking about doing the foam insulation boards you know uh -huh. and just covering them in fabric and having them live there and yeah, then, yeah, yeah and then I can pull it out when I need to service the chain plates and put it back in and it's insulation and it if I want to change my motif when I finally get one yeah change the fabric change the color yeah, yeah. yeah. oh it's Christmas time I'll well a lot of them had um you know those like one and a half inch teak planks just that, one after another after another and that lined the whole thing so you could unscrew the ones you needed to so you could access it because they're just screwing into these little struts here so that was behind the shelf that was that was behind there. it yeah, yeah. yeah this side this side was the carpet side this was like the right the horror right, right. side but that oh, side star, starboard was all the teak planks and so was the v-birth um I felt like there's just so much wood on this boat. Oh, I, I know. love that. That's so dark. That classic look, but yeah, I was like, if there's an element where I could just add some style again, that that was my big hope when I moved aboard. I'm like, this is my home. Yeah, you, but, interior, yeah. interior decorating. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm, I'm no, I'm full of fiberglass it. in my hands right now. Like, I'm like <laughs> we're not even thinking about it. <laughs> home decor um well Spar i mean sparrow's got like the white walls up here the white ceiling and then it's there's there's like one of those teak planks and then four inches of white and then one and it's just some little oh, faux thing yeah. in there um but it 
it brightens the whole thing. I mean, this is a bright west sail. Uh, up there is definitely more dungeon-esque. When the hatch is open, it's way better. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. kind of wish I had the butterfly hatch, but then there's times when I'm like, again, more holes in the deck. I just don't, it's, I don't it, want to deal with that. Seeing leak. the one on my tan, it's beautiful for sure, and it does let in a lovely light, I will say. Um, but I always see that as a bit of um, a weak point. But again, you know, we're all doing different things with our boats. We have different goals. I mean, right. I wanted a, I, I wanted a tank for my voyage. And that's, that's why I bought this. That was essentially all I wanted out of that boat. And I, I was planning on actually, you know, just having it for that, that two year period. I was going to so, ask you, was it just like to just get to you train, around and then not keep do it? it, get me around. Yeah. And then my plan was to just go back to regular life. Uh, well my kind of regular life living in the caribbean and stuff like that yeah. and i don't know uh things just changed and opportunities came up and i just fell in love with the boat i mean when i when i pulled it out of the water in maine i still lived on it for another like two weeks i slept on it every single night and most people thought i was crazy they were like you don't want to go get like a hotel room or something <laughs> I was I'd like, probably nah, go get a hotel shower, but I don't yeah, know, that would be yeah. hard after like being in Can't that. Can't separate so yeah, fast, Yeah, I was right? going to say, that would, it would be like a slow goodbye. Yeah, totally. Know? And um, and then, yeah, I don't know, the next year I ended up going down to the Caribbean again on the boat to do like the book and stuff. It was like, the book was literally more of an excuse to go sail in the Caribbean one more time before I had to get, because I, I was sort of uh, at that point thinking, okay, I got to go back and get a real job again. And I was trying to figure out a way not to. Yeah. Because I kind of I kind of thought, well, here, I did this really big thing. I mean, I know it's not some world's first or anything, but I don't You're know. You're world's first. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those where, I don't know. I was at uh, a crossroads, I suppose, in my, in my life. And now, yeah, I mean, I think seven years in, just about, with the boat. And I still don't know what to do. But I love having that boat as my... I would... I don't want to sell it. Um, I I know I would if I had to, but it's one of those things where, yeah, you're going to fall in love with this thing. And it sounds like you already have because nobody's going to put in the amount of effort that you're putting in (laughs) to a boat. Unless you're insane. (laughs) Yeah, unless unless you're a glutton for punishment, you like eating fiberglass. Yeah. Well, but, you know, like I said, there's these things have good bones. How's the engine? She's good. So he took out the old Volvo um, and put in a Yanmar. Um, nice. And that has been solid. Um, I did have some issues when I first brought her over during the delivery, um, but it ended up being not the actual engine. We thought it was the engine. I was, like, losing RPMs. Again, about to go through Port Mayaka where I, like, healed her. It always her. happens at the and best like, possible time. Why are you doing this to me right now as I'm going through the locks and worried about healing this boat over, and now I'm having engine issues? No. Um, <laughs> but, of course, yeah, that's the way it goes. So, once I got through Port Mayaka, um, I don't know, did you want me to tell how I did that? Sure. Heck yeah. yeah. I'm loving these stories. I mean, I, I honestly, for me... Doing uh, a 50-mile trip on the intercoastal is more nerve-wracking than me thinking about sailing out to, like, Bermuda yeah. or to the Azores. The, the river and then the lake, Okeechobee, coming through there, I would say the biggest thing about Okeechobee that I learned, coming from where I lived in Ohio, I had heard of Lake Okeechobee. It's that big that I had heard of it. Yeah. And I just thought it was massive. But I also thought it was deep. 
So when I got down here and I'm now in it and looking at my Navionics and, you know, looking at the channel, it's not deep at all. I mean, there's areas where it's, if you go outside the channel two feet, you're in three feet of water. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's just... It's all been dredged, right? Just for that channel to get yeah. people through. I mean, barges go through, but it's just, you have to stay in that channel. And a lot of people want to cut. You have to go all the way down to the bottom of the lake and then basically work your way up diagonally. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of people just want to, like, cut out and go. And if you're a small... Oh, I mean, but there's weeds. Like, I mean, you can see grass coming out. I mean, yeah. it's not the lake I thought it was. I mean, you know, I'm thinking Lake Erie. Like, it's more like a swamp. It's, yeah, big giant yeah. swamp hole in the ground with water. But so coming through Okeechobee, that <laughs> a was A lovely like, nature preserve. Yes. Full of life full and beauty. Full of <laughs> ecosystems and things that we need in our world. <laughs> exactly. Alligators. It's um, the lungs of the ocean. But, yeah, it was... That part was just okay I cannot veer off this channel at all so that was like a learning experience of just like why that channel is so prevalent on Navionics or where on your chart plotter so as I was getting through the Port Mayaka locks the next step is the Port Mayaka bridge which was my biggest issue because I have what I believe to be 50 foot mass is it so good yeah 50 foot so mass and Port Mayaka is 49 feet bridge, and it's a fixed mm -hmm. railroad bridge. It actually stays up until a train is coming, and then it lowers. The train goes by, and then it goes back up, and it's unmanned. So you can't really get a schedule. You really don't know when a train is going to come. Oh, wow. So it's just there, and you got to hope for the best. There's lights, yeah, but you yeah, don't yeah. know when those lights are going to turn if right, you're, like, right, approaching. Right. Um, and so and I had read really people fast, say, you know. Should be able to reverse out? And that's why I was like if I'm going to go through this bridge, like I'd rather just shear the top off and make it. Because <laughs> everybody always says, you know, go the speed you want to hit it at, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. So what I ended up doing was I was watching the lake level because it's non-tidal. It's all based on the lakes because it's inside locks. Mm -hmm. So there's no tidal to help you hit at low tide. Right. You're basically watching the lake levels. So the rain prior to your trip is what determines that lake level. Interesting. So the Corps of Engineers has like a website that you can sit there and see where the lake is every day and at any given time to see how that bridge, what that bridge clearance is going to be. Uh -huh. So I believe mine, the day I went through, it was at, the, at 49.43. So I had to heel over just a little bit to get through, but I didn't know what that measurement was. And yeah. There used to be a guy named Billy the Tipper that would come out, meet you. He had all the math done for you. He had 50-gallon... Um, barrels that he would fill with the river water push you through and then you'd be on your way and oh, he'd wow. heal you over yeah, yeah yeah unfortunately he passed away and no one has really taken that over people call indian town all the time has anybody come mm -hmm. up with this but nobody has actually taken it back on and so that sounds like an opportunity i know but i don't know if it's just harder because you got to sit there and wait for them and hope that they make the window they told <laughs> yeah, you to I mean, know, with sailors i, know, I feel right. like that would be more difficult you're basically motoring if you try I'd be to sail eyeballing it anyway I'd be, yeah. yeah you know yeah shoot two barrels um so <laughs> i did i brought 11 five gallon buckets from walmart they were the cheapest i was like i need a bunch of these and yeah um, had them and so we, I had a friend helping me crew and we pulled over to the dolphins I was like I'm just let's fill everything everything we can so we filled all 11 stacked them all on the starboard side in between the cabin top and the what did we say gunnel bulwark bulwark we're going yeah. with bulwark okay so had them stacked there and then literally just just go for clenched it clenched and went through and like I, I have, over pretty far 
it was it was a decent amount, but it was enough. That, I don't know what the degree was. You know, it was kind of like I was more focused on not crashing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was like, well, let me steer it, you know, and I was like, no, like if I crash my boat, like I want to be the one yeah, to right. crash my boat. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't have that blame on you. Like I just, I'm crashing my own boat. So here we go. Um, and so he hung out like on the shrouds to help heal even more. Um, and then the, the plan B was then to fill the dinghy if I needed to, but it's not that wide. Luckily there's not a ton of traffic there. So yeah, didn't have to worry about oncoming traffic, but it was definitely scary and i <laughs> i videoed it because i was like you're gonna want proof if this goes well or not like oh is it on instagram yeah oh. um oh i didn't make it that far back um yeah i don't know I, it might not be on instagram but i think it's on my personal oh okay um, gotcha but yeah i go through and you can see my antenna like is clearly dragging and then it just like pops up in happiness <laughs> as i get out oh from underneath gosh. and i was like you have you hear it in my voice i'm like we made it like i'm just wow. so nervous like turn i felt like the never ending story like he made it he yeah, made yeah, it yeah. when the guys you know chasing <laughs> oh, after a trail so yeah that was interesting and having engine trouble on top of that where i'm like is it gonna die is the train gonna come and smash my mast i, I you know that's that's one of the things that scares me half to death because my i have an old perkins 4108 and it i'm constantly having well i shouldn't say that, i'm having anxiety about it because i've had issues with it in the past where either it's overheating i've sort of solved mm. all those i do have the problem where there's fuel getting into the oil Every once in a while, for some reason, I can't mm. figure out why. And then so it'll do it, and then it won't do it for like a year. So that one's kind of an odd one. Um, but the when that the only other one is that it was getting fuel starved, and so it would start to rev up and down like it's about to, you know, clunk out. Mm -hmm. And I would have it happen. It, the first time it happened, it was way out at sea, and so it was no big deal. If it clunked out, I could go and clean all the lines and do all that sort of stuff. Um, and I had the fuel tanks polished and everything, and that seemed to help in changing the fuel filters a little more often. But every time I get into the intercoastal, I'm just like, oh, my God. All right, this is the time. This is when the engine's going to fail on me, and there's going to be traffic, and it's narrow, and this is really going to be bad. So the only way I can really uh, counter that anxiety and constantly thinking about it is just having my anchor just ready. Yeah. Ready to just drop it and be like, oh, we had engine trouble. And and that sort of calmed things down. I, I've always found that when things start, like even with, with big projects, like you got a huge list up there. <laughs> um, They're not that important if you but, look at them. Yeah, yeah. It but still. Like, add cord around. Like that's not a big project. <laughs> one of the things though is really trying not to see the entire picture just see the one you know the one in the corner that you can sort of deal with that day and it's the same for me it was like oh this engine's just giving me and i would be sort of kind of like freaking out about it and then i came up with my little solution like oh well I'll just keep the anchor out there i'm ready i always keep the halyard on the mainsail hoist that thing up in two seconds and then i can sail or whatever and um you know i i don't know it, it's sort of like curbing curbing that that anxiety is, uh, there's like, I don't know, I'm trying to say this, but there's tactics that you can, you can sort of yeah. use to, to battle against it. And remember that for most of the centuries, 
They didn't have engines. They didn't have any of that. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the parties went around, you know, like without an engine, yep. all around the whole world. So yeah, it's pretty. I know some people that uh, they've. I don't think they've done the whole world, but they've done you know years on their boat without an engine, and they would. They tie their dinghy up on the hip. Yeah, I've and do that. And I just and I remember one guy. I was asking him. I was like, "Why?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, engines stink, and I don't want to have to deal with them." I'm like, "Yeah, but you still have to deal with the engine on the dinghy, and that's just about, I'd say, less reliable than a diesel is." Definitely. But I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he had like a really bad experience with one at some point or something. Mine ended up being not even the engine. It was the all trusty hose clamp um oh yeah on the fuel line from the tank one of the hose clamps to the engine from the fuel tank was loose and allowing air and that's why it was losing ripums so i was able to just limp home um and then i had a diesel guy come check it out and he was like this is a great engine everything's really good i do have an issue with the cockpit drains and affecting the engine mounts so that's on the list too but um really how are they i don't know i don't know where the moisture comes from but like i don't i mean again there's a whole lot of just band-aids on this yeah Yeah, yeah, so i mean that's that's a day on on the list eventually um but she she runs really well i'm really happy with the anmar the only thing is and i can't figure out the previous owner said when he pulled the volvo out and put the anmar in the weight difference she was very bow heavy mm-hmm. and I have noticed people have told me as I'm like I remember during the blessing of the fleet I took her out I was like yes I'm gonna do this they were like your props out of the water and I'm just motoring down the river like in the queue and my prop was like on certain waves like out of the water completely and he had had like I mean I pulled out probably 10 cinder blocks of cement that he had in that aft lazarette just to put weight back there really yeah and i was like that's not normal like i did the difference between the volvo and the yanmar and it was like a 75 or 100 pound difference like it shouldn't be enough to make my prop come out of the water so i'm trying to figure out why i could be so bow heavy how much chain you got up there well there was a ton but it wasn't it's like all fused together so i'm that's like on one of my christmas lists is new chain um get rid of old chain yeah um but he had two of the like um CQRs up there and then that bowsprit. So I don't I don't know if it was the bowsprit cuz once I took the bowsprit off mm-hmm. she if you watch her waterline like she sits happy now. Yeah. So I do worry about when I put that new heavier bowsprit on that wider one that I got. It's that different model. It's not the steel pipe. It's that platform. Yeah, it's like a whole platform with steel going around it, right? Yeah, and yeah. then it attaches the same way as the boomkin with like brackets to the hull. Yeah, I and think they, the that's Bob's like day. the design they use on the the forty twos. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of the thirty twos with it, and Bud was like, "That's a five thousand dollar bowsprit you got there," and I was like, yeah, yeah. "Awesome! Nice. I got it in that huge steel from that other West Sale." So, what'd you do with the stainless one? Did you sell it? I sold it to George. Oh, that's right. George yeah. Got it, yeah. George drove down from, I think he's in South Carolina or yeah. North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina. Oh, no, he's up in uh, Virginia. Yeah. Okay. So he took two Good old days George. Off work. Shout out George. Hey, Love George. You, bud. Thanks for the help with my boat. Yeah. He's he great. mentioned that a lot, that he was helping you out fish. He's, it was so cool. Those guys came down. That was just, I, and I was at a point, literally, I came back. I had no money. I put all, almost all the money I'd made throughout the whole summer working at the yard into new solar panels, all the food, new, you know, uh, sat phone chips and minutes and all stuff. And 
most of it's sitting well most of it's either expired now or sitting on the bottom of the atlantic it's just like oh Mm. man and they they hooked it up holy smokes they hooked it up yeah they were i mean i remember when the call came out on the facebook page of like who's got what jerome's missing this jerome's missing oh that. really oh, oh yeah it was so like cool. a big call to arms to like i kind of want to fix like, my sparrow i i've been I off of like facebook you, for a long time i feel like you could just come up with some fake name that like you just are only in that yeah, group because right. you're like a legend on there and we always you know you know mike poor mike poor we love you um yeah yeah Shut he, up, Mike. he talks to you about you a lot you know well jerome does this or if you look at on mighty sparrow jerome right, has right. this you're thrown out there a lot but you're just not active on there and i think honestly people think you are on there and just never answer because people oh. won't talk to you but oh no okay yeah i shut down my account i don't know how long ago but i think they kept the the group mighty or the group sailing into oblivion which was like for updates on the voyage around right. the world that that i couldn't i couldn't get down um because i was just trying to streamline things i, I didn't want to there was a time where i was trying to update like facebook and the map share page and Twitter and something else. And I was like, this is insane. Like I, yeah, this is just insane. So I just cut them all down to next to nothing for a while and then slowly opened up one thing or two. I mean, now that Instagram and Facebook are now linked, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So yeah. it just does the one post, but yeah, I mean, that was the, th- I've just, I found it to be, as I said the other day, huge that, resource. that yeah, like the owners association, I love going there and searching all that stuff, but it's just a lot of the links are expired or people are no longer have an account and you can't ever get an answer. Whereas Facebook, Mm -hmm. I mean, I put a question out there and within 30 minutes I'll have five responses and it's just great. And with pictures, you know, or here's what I did or here's what I, or here's a link of what I ordered. I mean, it's just, to me, it's been insanely beneficial in this whole new world of boat ownership and West sale in, in specificity. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it is. (laughs) I've now declared it. Um, But yeah, like that, that's just been a godsend to me to like have that wealth of knowledge out there. So, well, I mean, it is a, a, and I mean this in the best way, but it is a cult following the West sale family is they're awesome. They're unique. They're eccentric. I mean, I'm, one of them for sure i mean not many people want to go and be alone for that length of time but uh yeah i mean they're they're absolutely great and there's an enthusiasm with the family that's just it's so cool like when when george came down or anytime i get to meet anybody else who's had one uh, or you know had one in the past maybe doesn't Mm -hmm. even have one anymore they always have such fond memories and i meet lots of people that are always like oh when I was in my 20s, all I wanted was to get a West Sale 32 and go everywhere in the world. But I had kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, I was like, I, I, was like, I made uh, that choice yeah, to, to yeah. not have kids because I knew that I wanted to do this. And so this has now become, I don't know if you would call her a child at this point, but she's definitely an entity that I currently hates me she's a she's a teenager at this she point. absolutely hate, yeah, yeah she's like the angriest teenager ever and she just screams at me every day and i'm just like i love you why can't you love me back yeah. um, well you know i but i'll tell you i mean she like look around i like there's a lot of stuff that i really like on here there's a lot of stuff that you you already don't have to deal with and if if trying to figure out the deck I mean that the mass step obviously it's it's something you're gonna make solid, but it's not that 
difficult of a project. You've already done most of the hard part, getting all that crap out of there. Kind of. All I'm only halfway everything. through it. Well, I've got that other layer. So. Yeah, there's another layer there. But again, you know, if if uh, if that's all feeling dry, if it's not something that you can like peel away, then you don't have to remove it. You're looking for everything that's just rotted. If you can peel it with your fingernail, it's, then yeah, that has to come out. But you get that mass step and then come up with a game plan for the rest of the, the deck that seems all soft and everything. And then, I mean, you've already done the chain plates. How's the mast and everything? I got, I'm got. i going to strip it and repaint it. I mean, it's definitely powdery when I've climbed it. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of oxidation around the cleats and the winches and stuff. Do you um, have steps on it? I do. Like the angle ones or mm -hmm. the ones that fold? No, I have the angle ones. Ah, okay. I haven't decided. I like them. I like that. I love them. I can go up there by myself. I haven't decided if I want to put them on the same way, or I've seen people flip them so that the base, like you're standing on the base instead of having to put your foot in the thing. In. I don't know. Yeah, that one's that one's kind of tricky. I mean, and there's different, there's there's pros and cons with those because uh, your halyards will get all caught up in them. Yeah. But sometimes when you're in a marina and you've got a slapper, it's really nice to be able to just go like this and it gets all caught and then no more slapper. Yeah. But when you're out there trying to do something with those sails and it keeps getting in there, you're like, Ugh, I have one that's bent just a little bit because I was putting up the storm jib and I didn't realize the halyard was around it. Oh, And yeah. you have to put a lot of tension. It was, I did it down to the Falkland Islands and man, it just ripped it. And it's the only one that's off. I tried to unbend it, but I love those stairs. I, I yeah, no. I've definitely, I've seen people replace them take them off completely or replace them with the foldable ones but i just feel like if i'm already climbing the mast i'm up there for a reason and i don't mm -hmm. want to like have to flip flop flip flop and then Ooh, flip flop yeah, back yeah. down and i'm just oh, like okay, i just yeah. want to climb and run on up and run i mean i love it up there i love climbing masts i climb this neighbor's mast because this osprey keeps crapping all over my boat from oh, on high right. up there oh, and yeah. so i was like can i go up your mast and put up some bird spikes because that's the only thing that's like <laughs> i mean oh I, nice i bet I, they enjoy that too this marina literally knows how much i hate her name is olive and i hate her so much i've never hated an animal in my life <laughs> and i cannot stand this bird but as i'm sitting here trying to sand every day and i have to like wash all of her like cement crap off my rail fragrant I'm to too i'm sure because they eat a lot of fish don't they fragrant chunky i mean it's just i hate her i hate that animal so much and i just <laughs> she's protected so i can't do anything i have bottle rockets i don't know anyway are um, you are you um journaling throughout this whole since you bought it no no should i be oh my god yeah this would make such a great book <laughs> seriously especially if uh if you end up i mean what what is the actual goal Okay, yeah, so I want to circumnavigate. Mm -hmm. I have wanted that for a very long time. However, I have no deadline to that timeline. So my plan is by 2025 to throw off the battle lines completely and start that journey. But my the whole purpose of that was to see all the things. Mm -hmm. That's like kind of what I want to do is see all the things. Yeah. Countries, What's places. What's the route you're looking to take? Um, so that's... If I don't cross my wake until I'm 75, I'm fine with that. Oh, wow. I want to just go see this big, beautiful, interesting, yeah. crazy, chaotic world. And if I want to spend a month in a country and explore those areas by land even and just anchor the boat or whatever, 
I want to be able to go do that. And if there's some place that I get that I've been waiting forever to get to and I don't like it, I want to just be able to move on. But yeah. um, originally, current plan is Caribbean for a year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And I have allowed myself this small inkling that if I never leave there, that's okay. I have this weird thought that I might just end up there and love it and never leave. And I've bought this heavy duty tank to basically just sail around there. But um, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm allowing that allowance. That's the only one though. But then I basically want to come back up the East Coast, stop along the way. I want to hit Maine, Acadia. I've never even been there. Like, and and then make the jump over like Iceland, Greenland, Northern uh-huh. Europe, come down maybe a year or two in the med area. And then may- I can't decide if I want to go down that way and go around good hope. Or if I want to come back down, I want to do the horn. Everybody thinks I'm crazy for doing the horn. Obviously you wouldn't think that since you've done it. What Cape horn? Yeah. I, everybody just says do the canal and I don't know. I just don't feel like I could be that close and not do it. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Honestly, you'd have to. Well, it's, so if you're if you're coming down the Atlantic's and you're trying to get into what the Indian Ocean, or are you trying to go to the Pacific from the Atlantic? Yeah, oh. I haven't decided which way I'm going right, to go. If right, I'm going right. to go down and go Cape of Good Hope and go that way, right, right. Or if Indian, I'm going to come Indian back Ocean, over, yeah. come down South America. Yeah, it's it's definitely tricky um, because. Essentially, you get into the Indian Ocean, and to be able to, you know, there's a few, there's the Seychelles, and there's the, um, there's a bunch of different island chains, um, and there's one in particular I've always wanted to go is Christmas Island, and then Keeling and Cocos Island, which Slocum stop 